So, Will. Yes? Today's movie I first watched for a Chinese language film class. You took a class on Chinese language film? Well, yeah, I was studying Chinese. That's cool. And so I watched this last week. Was this in high school? No, this was in my gap year when I was studying Chinese full time. So I was wondering... What is the best movie you've had to watch for class? Um, I can think of two things right off the bat. One of which is my beloved uh, Steven Spielberg's Lincoln, which I had already seen in theaters, but we watched it in a class I took in college, which was called, appropriately, Lincoln. <laughs> Fitting. Yeah, the movie and the class really met there. Yeah. But I feel like in the spirit of the question, it needs to be something that I had not seen before that I watched for class. Where I think the answer is probably... Another Ang Lee movie, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which I watched in an IB World Religions class. Interesting. This was a teacher who really liked showing movies. We also watched large chunks of The Empire Strikes Back and the Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice. Interesting. I want to say Crouching Tiger was connected to Taoism in his class. Pride and Prejudice was Confucianism because it was all about duty and your responsibility in society. Filial piety. Yeah, and I don't remember... Empire might have also been Taoism. We also watched Fiddler on the Roof for Judaism. <laughs> That's un- we watched a lot of movies in this class. That does not sound like a well-run class. Anyway, I was thinking of a very different movie. Um, I guess, I don't know if this counts. So, in college, our friend Zoe was taking a class where they talked about horror movies and books. So, they read, like, gothic novels and other types of horror stuff and watch movies so every wednesday they had movie watching and i would just go so i wasn't in the class but for the class i still watched movies yeah this barely counts and i at first was very quiet but you may have noticed if you listen to the show i have opinions about movies so there were always discussions after and i ended up contributing more than some of the students in the class which was not great so what's the most but interesting movie the best movie we watched for that was probably rosemary's baby um i really enjoyed it it sucks that it was directed by roman polanski cuz i feel really bad about watching it but it's just such a good weird horror film and it's so different from a lot of stuff i've seen and i really enjoyed the suspense of it I also did watch all of Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet for high school. All four hours of it. We definitely watched some of it. (laughs) And that was good. I brought a trash bag full of popcorn that I bought at the cafeteria to class for it. Oh, I watched West Side Story in a Spanish class. (laughs) That movie's not in (laughs) Spanish. What school did you go to? <laughs> this is not how you very teach. good teachers. Are they good teachers? So here's the thing. These people, for the most part, actually were good teachers who also just like liked showing movies as part of class. There were also cases where like my physics teacher was truly bad and also we watched Jingle all the way. I mean, after the AP exam, obviously we didn't do anything in high school. So in physics, we watched Contact just over the course of a week, which was actually really good, too. Oh, a movie with science ideas on, like, Jingle All the Way, the movie <laughs> yeah. I watched in physics? Yeah. I mean, that's a new bar from what I've heard for goofing off in class with movies, because usually teachers try and put some connection in. I don't even yeah. know what Jingle All the Way is about. That's the Arnold Schwarzenegger family comedy, where it's, like, clearly based on toy culture of the 1990s, which is when it's made and set. There's, like, some new exciting action toy... Sorry that I can't give you more detail. I watched this once in my physics class in high school. (laughs) (laughs) 
was like the trendy new action figure that's selling out everywhere at Christmas. And Arnold, I think, is like becoming more distant from his kid. So he decides that what he needs to do is get this toy. And he's like running around all over the place, getting in family level Schwarzenegger action sequences. That's very strange. <laughs> it's a weird movie. Well, anyway, this movie we watched for class and it was great. So let's get started. Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark, and I'm gay. And I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. This is an investigative podcast committed to examining one of the most important issues of our day. Namely, does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable or even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation. We will dig in and see what's there. And this week, we are returning to the work of director Ang Lee for the only one of his movies set in Taiwan, where he's from, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman from 1994. So this movie is similar to his first three movies in addressing the meeting of East and West traditional versus, you know, modern. And it's interesting that this is the only one that takes place in Taiwan. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, his first two movies, Pushing Hands and The Wedding Banquet, are in Chinese but are set in the United States. But this movie would not work anywhere except Taiwan. It very much is about Taiwan itself, the transition in the 90s from Lao Chu, which just means old Chu, his generation, his focus on the traditional, taking every step necessary to make these food, not cutting any corners, versus his daughter who works at a Wendy's. Yeah, the Wendy's is such a good piece of this movie, especially when you think about the dramatic expansion of American fast food in the 1980s. Right, and the 1990s, I'm pretty sure, I should probably look this up but I won't, was when Taiwan was truly democratizing for the first time, too. So there was a lot of political turmoil. The 90s were a big era in Taiwan, and a lot is happening. And his daughters represent different directions that Taiwan is going. Right, including like from the commercial aspects of things like Wendy's or the international air travel or the influence of Christianity. There are a lot of these outside forces making themselves known in Chu's life. But it tells all this through just... The relationship of a famous chef and his three daughters. And it's really just a sweet movie. There's a lot of funny scenes in it. But also, I got really upset when he lost his taste. It makes me very sad. And I don't know. It's just this really nice movie that I really enjoy. And all the scenes of cooking are so fun to watch. Yeah, the opening sequence where he's just making Sunday dinner for his family. It's very satisfying. It is. I like it when he murders the fish by driving chopsticks through its mouth. Yeah, that's. it starts with a very bold image of him just grabbing a fish out of a pot. And then he shoves two chopsticks through its throat, like spearing it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It is. One of my favorite parts is the comparison of this old man catching a chicken versus these two young idiots. When two of the daughters bring home their men for the first time, the two of them are trying to chase the chickens. And it's so funny to watch after seeing Chu catch one immediately at the beginning. He's had practice. He has. I also just love that house. It's a good set. The house. So I liked this movie, probably not quite as much as you. Part of that is I found some of the twistier stuff that we'll get into later. It felt like stuff that would fit better in Ang Lee's later genre work in things like Crouching Tiger or Hulk or Gemini Man, which is a movie that has a lot of twisty stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, I wasn't looking for that quite as much. And I think the other thing for me, uh, which is a big difference between the two of us, is that I do not care about food. Yeah, that is definitely playing a role. 
Yeah, uh, I find eating uh, boring and annoying. Like, at the end, when he tastes his daughter's soup, I started crying, and I doubt that (laughs) you may have resonated as strongly with that. It's narratively satisfying. It is. But I am also the kind of person who is often frustrated by the fact that I have to eat. Yes, and I'm not as great as when I was watching this for the first time, and I watched it in Chinese subtitles then too, but I can still understand Chinese okay. And it's the same with The Farewell, where I definitely feel like I picked up more from being able to understand than just what the subtitles give you sometimes. Sure. It is worth noting that on Ang Lee's movies, he and his co-writer James Seamus write the English language subtitles themselves. Right. Which I think is cool. It is cool, and it definitely does help, I think. It's very well subtitled, but there are little things. Like, they have Shan Shan, the young girl. Who is great. Who is great. Calls him, in the subtitles, it says Mr. Chu, but she actually does call him Grandpa Chu. And it is a thing where you, like, call the generation above you uncle and auntie and the generation above them, like, Grandpa and Grandma. But the way she's saying it, I do think it makes it feel more like Grandpa Chu. Like, she has such a sweet bond with him. It's gonna be Dad Chu later. <laughs> I know, that's <laughs> Chewbaba. <laughs> so I think that will definitely... Wait, hey, she'll call him Chewbaba? Well, so Chinese father is Baba, so she'll probably just call him Ba or Baba, like, the daughters. But his last name is Chu, so it would be, like, Father Chu is Chewbaba. But just little things like that always make me happy. His relationship with Shan Shan is so cute. And also hilarious. It's so funny. Because the best joke is that Shan Shan is the daughter of a family friend. And this family friend is a terrible cook. So Chu, this famous chef, has gone to her and been like, all right, I will make you your lunches. I will bring you an absurd amount of food. And then I'll take your food so that your mom doesn't know you're not eating it. And so he, like the great chef, then just eats the mom's crappy cooking every day for lunch. And she starts ordering massive amounts of food so that she shares with all of the other kids in her class. Yeah, he's like cooking for this entire grade and then eating the mom's crappy cooking. It's so funny. Out of like a little cartoon animal lunchbox. One of my favorite scenes is when he first does it and he brings her and he's like, I'm sorry, I couldn't make you more. I only had time to whip up like a little bit of food and it's four courses and they're all big. It's so funny. The amount of food he makes for like four people is insane. So that's the thing. Like this is a food porn movie and I can appreciate it. But to me, like the food in a movie that I love is in Birds of Prey, which is surprisingly fun and you should watch it. It's like maybe the best DC movie. Oh, not the highest bar. Certainly of the post-Nolan era, I think it unquestionably is. Um, No film has ever photographed a sandwich as lovingly as Birds of Prey, which has an extended chase sequence where Harley Quinn is just trying to eat a breakfast sandwich. I watched this movie and was just annoyed that I couldn't be at these meals. That's how I felt. And that definitely does make me, I think, appreciate it more. Just this pleasure of watching him cook. And then the final dishes all looking so delicious. Uh, I don't know. I really do want to watch The Wedding Banquet. I think we should cover it someday because it yeah, someday seems we should. very fun. But this movie also just makes me so happy. And the ending is so funny. Like the dinner where he's just constantly taking shots of Baijo. She's getting progressively drunker and sweatier at dinner. Yeah, he's so sweaty. It's so good. He's a really good actor. He is. So the father character, Chu, is played by uh, Si Hong Lung, who had actually retired from acting years before pushing hands until Ang Lee pulled him out to star in Lee's first three movies because he had grown up seeing Lung's movies on Taiwanese TV and really wanted him to play the father character. He's also in a smaller role, but isn't he in Crouching Tiger? too 
Yeah, he plays Sir Tuh in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Sir Tuh is great in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I didn't realize that was him. I don't remember which one Sir Tuh is. I need to rewatch that movie. Uh, he's in charge of like the first place that Lee Mubai goes to when they first are like hearing the stories of this master thief. Ah, uh, right. Oh my god. It's where they first meet that uh, governor's daughter, who's like an assassin trainee. Oh. We find out. Yes. Well, apparently Si Hung Long also was uh, in Chiang Kai-shek's army and was one of the nationalists that escaped to Taiwan. Wow. Yeah. Where he joined an army-sponsored acting troupe. That's cool. Which is how he got to start. What a guy. What a guy. Um, and This movie, it's worth noting too, was actually quite successful too. In the United States, it was released by, I think, like, the Samuel Goldwyn Company. And it made $7 million in 1994 as a foreign language movie. Like, that would be good today. Yeah, that's impressive. Like, came out in August, was nominated for an Oscar for Best International Film. And it was nominated for a ton of Indie Spirit Awards, including Best Feature, Director, Male Lead for Si Hong Lung, Female Lead for Chen Len Wu, and for Cinematography and Screenplay. It lost most of those to Pulp Fiction. Uh, that's fair. I mean, this movie probably did not stand a chance against Pulp Fiction. That movie was a juggernaut that year. Yeah. Especially at the Indie Spirits. Yeah. But this movie, very different vibe from Pulp Fiction. Oh, a little bit. It's just a, it's just a movie about nice people eating food <laughs> I know. a lot of the time. And then, like I said, this is what was jarring for me at times. Very striking left turns. Every yeah, once in a while. I know. I kind of enjoyed it. Like when Jianning just out of the blue is like, I'm pregnant after we see her interacting with this man for like five minutes. Right. Which does then recolor that sequence where they walk into the apartment and very awkwardly he's like, do you want something to drink? Like yeah. apparently it's that situation where they both know they're going to have sex, but they don't quite know how to initiate it. Yeah. It's so funny. It's wild. Yeah. This movie was successful enough that there was a sequel, sort of titled Eat Drink Man Woman 2012. Okay. Which came out in 2012 and is unfortunately not a combination movie of Eat Drink Man Woman and Golden <laughs> Numbers 2012. Well, that would have been a great choice. No, instead, that's just the year that the movie came out. It's directed by one of the producers of the first movie and has no connection with the original movie except that it is also about families and food. Uh, okay. It's also apparently bad. Yeah, I would imagine. There was a U.S. remake as well in 2001 called Tortilla Soup, so I'm guessing you can imagine what culture they focused on. Yes. And it starred Hector Elizondo in the father role, which I kind of like. Yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah, the reviews are all right. Yeah, I mean, the concept of just a family getting together to eat and sharing big life moments in that makes sense, but I think the reason this movie is as good as it is, is in large part because it's about so much more. Like, it's right. so representative of not just this family, but even, like, Taiwan in general. It's about a cultural moment. Right. So it is just a nice family movie, but it really is so much more than that. Like, with each daughter just representing such different ways of the future going. And I think what's significant about it is that through all of it, even though the daughters expect Old Chu to react fairly strongly to the choices they're making he never really does no he's not judgmental of his daughter which is a thing that i like about this movie right people are constantly worried about how other people are going to react but for the most part everyone reacts quite charitably to stuff that's going on and is willing to listen to each other yeah they all clearly love each other and they love each other more than they think they do yeah like they all doubt each other's love more than they should like even the sisters that's a good point the scene where jia jen and jia qian 
are washing dishes together and they both realize like they thought the other didn't like them even though they did is very sweet moment where there's like these women are in their 20s or 30s and they finally have a breakthrough moment and are able to progress as sisters and it's just so nice and realizing like yes your family probably does love you even if you were really quiet about it. They communicate through food, just like the neighbors communicate through music. Yeah. Ugh, the karaoke. It's okay. so funny. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to this in the relationships, but the the oldest daughter, Jajen, works at a school right. where they have boozy faculty parties in the middle of the day. I know. I love it. There are still students like going around having classes. It's insane. It makes no sense. How can I work there? I don't know. The school scenes are so interesting because there's just so many children. Is this your first point? Um, yes. The first point is about Jia Jen and her coach boyfriend. Okay, I want to talk about this a lot, so we should start talking about points. Okay. Let's get into it. So every week we break down the romance in a movie into five distinct plot points. So this movie progresses, you know, chronologically, but I think it'll be more useful to focus on each individual relationship. I think that makes sense. There's a lot that happens off screen too, so it's difficult to make neat points. Right. So I think that we should start with Jia Jen, who is the oldest daughter. She is a chemistry teacher at a school. It looks like a boys school. Yeah, we only ever see male students. And she is a very religious Christian convert. Yes. Who hasn't expressed any interest in a man in nine years. Not since her college boyfriend broke her heart. Right. But she's got the love of Jesus in her heart. It's the only man she needs. Her perfect boyfriend, as people make a lot of jokes about. That's like nine years is a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. To be hung up on a college boyfriend. Well, as we find out, it's not even that. (laughs) Right. But that's like what I'm writing is I'm like, what the heck is going on? And also, it should be worth noting, watching the movie, I had a hard time tracking names. So I just referred to them by age order, which is the same thing that I would do when I was like reading Russian plays in college. So that is why I at one point failed a quiz on the seagull because I couldn't remember anybody's name. I was like, I promise I know what happened in this play. I just don't know who anybody is. It can be confusing. I understand it. The daughter's names are like Jia Jen, Jia Qian, and Jia Ning. And it's because there's like generational name is what they call it. So everyone shares the first character of their name. And then having Jen and Qian is a little confusing. I did fine with knowing who everyone was. I just didn't know which name went with them. Right. So I love watching movies from especially like East Asia, like China and Japan, where Christianity is used as just a spice. Like how in Western movies, sometimes they'll add like Eastern mysticism as like a a little flavor, just a little spice to make it different. Usually very poorly. Very poorly. And you get similar things done. This movie doesn't do it as poorly, but it's very similar in some Japanese animes, especially. The most famous is Neon Genesis Evangelion, where they have like the spear of Longinus is a thing, but it's not related to the spear that pierced the side of Jesus at all. It's just a cool name that they add in. It is a cool name. It's so funny because it's just like, it's basically cultural appropriation just of Christianity instead. And it's Let's do it. really entertaining to watch. 
That's like how in uh, the Castle of Cagliostro, they always refer to these vague Europeans as the Goths. <laughs> the Goths. Uh, and it's interesting. Christianity, like, is important, but at the same time, it's not. It's just a symbol of the West, in a way. Yeah. So, Jia Jen is going a more conservative, traditional route than her sister's. But she is also, in a way, embracing modernity and difference from her father. So we've got our girl, Jia Jen, and she teaches chemistry, and her students are little turds, and they're always passing around dirty notes. Who are these dirty notes about? I, each other, I guess. It does seem just like everyone's gay in her class. Yeah. So they're passing dirty notes to each other. She's telling them to stop. They're really rude to her. Like, as rude as they can be within the bounds of baseline propriety. Right. They definitely do not respect her. No. And one day, a volleyball comes flying into her classroom, and she throws it back out to the volleyball court, because the school has classrooms that open up into, like, covered walkways, and the volleyball courts are in the middle. She tosses the ball back out, and she gets a little wave from the volleyball coach. Yeah, he's new. It's got new his, improved, more like. Got his nice, tight t-shirts tucked into his big sweatpants. Yeah. Rocking quite a look. Is this when his arm gets dislocated? No, that's the next time they interact. Okay. So the next time they interact, she goes to the boozy faculty party with karaoke happening in the middle of the day. It's gotta be like noon. <laughs> and he pulls her on stage to sing. He's like, you're the only person I know. So she sings so a I'm going to use your name. <laughs> so she sings a hymn. Oh, by this point, he has actually chatted with her at the bus, engaged in some terrible flirting. Like the day that she tosses the volleyball back out, he sees her waiting for the bus and he's like, hey, I'm new. I haven't met you yet. I do like it because this is like the earliest movie I've ever seen that has an issue where someone can't hear someone else because they have earbuds in. Yeah, it is very early on. It's 1994, but she can't hear him with those earbuds. She's got her Walkman blaring her like Bach religious music. And... He's talking about like, oh, you know, where are you trying to go? And he says, you know, I would take you home if it were on my way. And then just goes off on his scooter. I'm like, dude, that is not how you flirt. <laughs> I know. He's so bad at you it. You don't get credit for not taking her home. Well, it's also, I would say it's pretty clear she does not want him to take her home. Yes. But nonetheless. So, it, nonetheless, it's rude. But it's also kind of like respecting her wishes in a way. I just think there are other ways to word that even. Yeah, it's so funny. But then he introduces her to saying, and she starts getting love notes on her desk around this time too there's also one point where she's out watching volleyball practice or volleyball class or whatever it is and a student hits a ball really high up so the coach gets down in like a push-up and he does a push-up and hits the volleyball back up in the air with his butt yeah he's cool yeah he uses his butt to play volleyball yeah it doesn't seem like he's doing a lot of coaching so much as just playing volleyball with students while other kids are in class he's probably like Coaching them on how to play as the game is going on, maybe? But yes, later he dislocates his shoulder while playing, and she's the only one that seems to actually care. She's like, we need to call a doctor. But instead, they bring over the head coach, who I am obsessed with. He's got his He's great. baseball cap and his yellow polo on. He just, He's just a little old man. A little old man. He walks over, sees his shoulder dislocated, jams it back into place, and is like, all right, back to work. And he leaves. I love it. I love him so much. I also, as I think I've mentioned, have been watching a lot of Survivor since they closed the schools. And I just recently watched someone there have their shoulder relocated. So this has been a theme of the last week for me. As long as it's not foreshadowing it happening to you. Well, I guess. I mean, rule of threes. It's about to. But so she gets these notes on her desk and she's starting to get more and more confused by it and angry. Yeah, because she doesn't know who they're from. 
Right. She's like looking around her department office trying to figure out which of these weird men has been sending her these dirty notes. Right. And I fully am like the coach is sending her love notes. Yeah. I agree. I think it's pretty clear. Well, that is what I thought, except later we find out it's her students. Oh, yeah, we did. Her students get in trouble for it. Yeah, so she gets all dressed up nice one day and goes and gets on the intercom and is yelling at all of the school. She lets her hair down, puts on a nice red dress. Puts on some lipstick. Total teacher makeover. And she makes this announcement. She, like, goes to a bullhorn and, like, shouts to the entire school, who is sending me these love notes? What the heck? I'm sitting here reading all this love stuff. I just want to know who it is. Tell me. I'm going to be bringing people in and comparing their handwriting. Yeah. Like, imagine announcing that to a school. It's not the best move. It's an unbelievable move. But basically, isn't the next point she goes to dinner and is married? Well, yeah. So then it turns out that her students have been sending the notes. They apologize. Then the coach comes into her classroom after she IDs the students. And he's like, hey, sorry you're going through all this. Then they make out. Yeah. The movie is structured around a lot of these Sunday dinners that Chu always makes. That the daughter's like, the food seems to be very good, but they seem to kind of resent the obligation. Yeah, because they're all getting older and they have their own lives. But he expects them all to be there for Sunday dinner. So then Jia Zhen shows up at Sunday dinner and is like, hi, I have an announcement. And the announcement is, I met a guy. He wanted to have sex with me, but I'm a good Christian, so we got married this morning. Yeah, the priest married us this morning. Here he is. Yeah, he's outside. We have gotten married so that we can have sex. Yeah, she just openly admits that to her family, and it's hilarious. But, so, he comes to dinner that night, and she obviously moves in with him the next day. Yep, the next day, so that they can continue having sex. Yep. And, I mean, they stay together later. They all come together for a big family dinner with Jian Ning and her, I guess, husband at this point, probably. I I guess, probably. But Jia Jen has now moved out and has moved forward with her life and gets her husband to convert to Christianity. That's right. He gets baptized. Yeah, we see his baptism. And I guess we don't really see too much further, but I guess they kind of get there happily ever after. I guess. So next is the second oldest daughter, who is actually the star of the film i'd say yeah she's the one who was nominated as a lead at the indie spirits yes so this is jia chen uh she is stunning throughout this movie She's fantastic. She has the perfect 90s hair, which seems to just defy the laws of physics. It just floats there. It just floats. And it's 90s fashion and makeup, but it works on her. It's kind of like almost Scully-esque from X-Files in the like kind of boxy men's suits and hair that just floats. But she's also like working in the kind of office that we associate with 90s media where it's just like businessmen making deals, mergers. Yeah. So she is a pretty high level executive at a international airline and is spearheading an expansion by taking over routes of an airline that's failing. Right. She also, it's worth noting, is banging her ex-boyfriend Raymond because she doesn't have the time or the energy to focus on having a boyfriend, but they're able to just like be friends and have sex. Right. So she's got a friends with benefits situation going on she buys an apartment but it turns out to be a scam because she is the most eager to move out at the beginning right and this is the thing that we alluded to earlier of people not having faith in the love of their family where she is really worried that her dad will not support her living outside the home right 
And so she's worried about making this announcement like, hey, I bought an apartment. She tells her sisters first, but her dad's like, all right, cool, you bought an apartment. But then, as you said, it turns out that the company had some shady business practices and goes under and doesn't give anyone their money back. Right, so she loses her life savings. And when she tells him that, her dad's just like, yes, yes, of course, you can continue to live here. Yeah, it's just very matter of fact. He shows his love through making incredibly elaborate meals. Right. And the rest, he's just like, we're good. The central relationship of this movie is not romantic. It is clearly the relationship between Jia Tian and her father. Right. Because we're told that she, growing up, loved cooking and really enjoyed it. Um, her father's best friend, Wen, used to work with her. And she was apparently really good at it, like could have gone professional. But her father was like, no, I, I don't want you working in this industry. You should like go to college and work somewhere else. And so there's a complicated relationship where she feels like her dad didn't support what she wanted to do. And he was like, I want you to not live the wacko life that I do. Right. But Jia Qian is described as the perfect mixture of her father and mother. And you see the similarity between the two of them more than between him and either of his other daughters. Like they both are extremely stubborn and want to do what they want to do, but also are torn by their family obligation. And I think that is why she's the one that wants to move out most. Yes, definitely. But then she at work meets a new man, Lee Kai. Lee Kai, who's a hottie. The two of them are like one of the hottest movie couples, I swear. They're fantastic. And he is like this, I guess like a business analyst they're bringing in to help take him to the next level. Right. And I don't really understand his position in the company. He's like a consultant, I think. I don't think he works directly for the company. I don't really get him. He also plays video games at work. If you get your work done, play video games. But the two of them are very flirty from the beginning. He first shows up at a meeting and they make intense eye contact. Yeah, they do. And one thing I find interesting, his name is a synonym. Like it's the same sounds as the word for leave or go away. Interesting. So he lives in America for the most part. And he has a wife and child back in America. He does tell us that he and his wife would be divorced, except that neither of them has the time to do it. Right. Which is very strange. And we know that his child is growing up quite American, and he's trying to get his kid to connect more to Chinese culture. Right. For example, there's a part where Zha Qian and he go to a toy store, and he's, like, trying to find Chinese games or toys to give him. And Zha Qian pulls up a character named Harvey, who I think is a knockoff Barney. I think it is. They're trying to reference Barney without paying any royalties. Because he gets to, I love, end of song. Right. He starts, he's like, no, this isn't a Chinese character. This is from an American TV show. And he starts singing a song that sounds like the end of a Barney episode. Yeah. And then immediately cuts off before the 14 seconds. It's also worth noting that Zha Qian's terrible boss, when telling her that she is potentially up for this promotion to run their Amsterdam division tells her that she is too young and good-looking for the job under normal circumstances. He's so weird because he's, like, creepy but also very supportive of her. Which is bad. It is bad, but it's also, like, interesting to see a movie where the woman in her high-level position is basically getting unconditional support from her superiors while being terribly sexually harassed. Yeah. But it's not a situation where she's, like, having to prove herself against the patriarchy. But at the same time, of course, she is getting very much harassed at work. 
So they are like increasingly flirting and having a nice time. And she's continuing to sleep with Raymond during this. Yes. And she'll like go and just like chat with Raymond, hang out, bang it out. But she's getting closer to Likai and she also starts asking her older sister like, hey, how do you feel about your ex-boyfriend? And she's like, oh, my boyfriend that I'm still not over after nine years? Right. She kind of pieces it together based off where he went to college and the time frame that this is the man that broke her sister's heart. But then what she does is, like, continue to flirt with him. And there's a night where they're both, like, working late in the office. And they kiss and then, like, immediately start taking off their clothes and throwing stuff off the desk. And he's like... They're, like, starting to have sex, and she's like, use my full name. And he's like, okay, why? And she's like, oh, you don't remember my sister? It's bizarre. It's a weird plan. I don't know if it's a plan so much as just what happens. Sure. The insistence on the last name to then build to the revelation feels like there's some kind of thought going on. Yeah. It's a weird idea that she has. And he's like, no, I do not remember your sister. And he eventually figures out that, like, the sister was, like, a friend of his actual girlfriend. Right. Who then made up their relationship to explain why she doesn't date men. Yes. And, like, it is bad that our world is such that it's not acceptable for her just to not date men. Right. But also it's weird. It's it's strange. And I get the motivation. Like, she just does not want to date. And that's not an acceptable thing. So she had to make she up an excuse. doesn't want people to bother her. Yeah. But it is still kind of strange. It's weird that, like, it's a specific real person that she has this connection to. Right. So they kind of piece it together. The moment's over. She basically runs away and she's like, I have to tell Raymond this ridiculous story. Right. She goes over to Raymond's, rings his doorbell, and he answers the door naked. Yes. And is like, sorry, I've got someone here. Right. And so she has to kind of play it cool, even though she's very emotional. She's like, oh, yeah, totally. And then Raymond tells her that he is engaged. And that's a really awkward conversation where he's like, yeah, I'm engaged. Like, she's really great. Like, I think you two are really going to hit it off. And she's clearly like, I'm not going to hang out with your new wife. Right. And he even offers to have sex with her one more time before he gets married. It's like, no, Raymond, get out of here. Yeah, Raymond, not handling it well. And then it, the end of her situation is she, like, has a nice conversation with Lee Kai where he's like, I'm glad we didn't hook up. We're better as friends. Right. And she's very she's upset about it, but not really. And so she's the only daughter to end the movie. Actually, she's like the only character to end the movie alone. Yeah. But so she's actually at this point turned down the Amsterdam promotion to take care of her father. But it seems that after the course of the final dinner, she decides to then take the job. Yeah. Because I think she's planning on moving to Amsterdam at the end I of the movie. I think so. So... That is the end of Jia Qian's romance, and this brings us to point three, the youngest daughter, Jia Ning. Jia Ning is 20, she works at Wendy's, and she's got a crappy friend named Rachel. Yeah, Rachel is so awful. Rachel is a bad person. So Rachel has a boyfriend that they are on and off again, and she just insists on torturing. And she thinks that's what love is, is like trying to make him as upset as possible. Right. So like she'll say, hey, I'm going to meet you here and then not show up or make him wait like an hour. And Jia Ning is always 
showing up and being like, hey, she is not coming. Right. But she's slowly, like, becoming his friend. The first time she just asks what book he's reading, and he's reading Dostoevsky. Because he's deep. Because he's deep, and he's emotional. And so then they keep hanging out, and Rachel at work one day is like, he broke up with me. I love him so much. How could he do this? And Jennings It's like, like, well, you were a jerk to him. Jennings is like, I thought you hated him. And she's like, no, that's what love is. And Jennings is like, well, whoopsie daisies. And kind of- Yeah, Rachel admits, needs to figure out how to have a healthy relationship. Yeah. So then Jennings goes over to his apartment. And it's like a huge apartment. It's huge. He lives there alone. His parents are mostly out of town. And it's like very stylish, sort of open space. Yeah, his grandma's in the hospital. It's a very awkward scene too, where he's like, do you want something to drink? And she's like, ice water, I guess. And then they look at cameras. Right. So he has like six cameras. She's like, oh, are you into photography? And he's like, no, I just take pictures of my grandma. The cameras are the only thing she reacts to. And I'm like, fine. Why do you have six nice cameras then? I don't know if this is right. I also took it to mean that they were his grandma's cameras. So that would make sense. I did not pick up on that. I may be making this up, but I took it to mean that they were his grandma's cameras. And that's one of the reasons why she responds to them too. That would make sense. I like that. So then we kind of cut away. Yeah, we don't really see this again until... Um, <laughs> one of the Sunday dinners where she has a little announcement. They all start with, I have a little announcement. Yeah. It's this running thread of, we have these dinners that the daughters kind of resent and are very important to the dad. And this is always where people make their announcements. And the movie kind of escalates in degree of announcement where the first one is just like, I've got an apartment. And then we do a big jump up to this one. Yeah. So Jennings starts with, I met this guy. He wants me to move in with him. It's a big apartment. Uh, no one lives there, and the reason he wants me to move in is because I'm pregnant with his baby. What? And then we just cut to her moving in, like getting in a cab, and everyone's and like, that. "Bye." And you know, they're sad she's leaving, but no one's like judgmental. Even the Christian no. sister doesn't really seem that judgmental of it. She's like, "Do your thing." I imagine Rachel is pretty distraught. Well, who cares about her? So Jianning and her husband also come back for dinner the next time. I think at the end of the movie, we're told that they are pregnant again. Yeah. And so they seem happy and they have their baby and oh. All right. So those are the daughters. Yeah. So point four, we're going to just quickly breeze through this one. So Lao Chu. The dad. The dad he's a widower. Is, is a widower. His wife died when Jianning was four. So he has raised these daughters on his own for a long time. And it's worth noting, like, he has really focused on them and his job as a chef. Right. His friend Wen at one point calls him a repressed old turtle. I love that line. I love Wen. Wen is fantastic. And it's worth noting, like, Ang Lee movies are kind of all about repression. Yeah. And so it was interesting to me in the one that felt like it had the most commonly expressed emotions of love to be the one where they're openly talking about repression. Yeah. And this is also when we have the glorious title drop where Chu is talking about, like, uh, eat, drink, man, woman, food, and sex. Is that all there is to life? Yeah. So that's a saying from a famous Confucian text. Right. So it's an expression in Chinese that people get. It sounds kind of strange in English, but it is like a, it makes sense. Like it's a cultural point everyone would get in Chinese. And what is, what is the point? The idea that the pleasures in life are food, drink, and sex. All right. So Lao Chu is being set up basically by his daughters with Jia Qian's friend Jin Rong's mother. So right. Jin Rong is going through a divorce. 
her sister back in America is also going through a divorce. And so because she hates America, Jin Rong's mother, Madame Liang, moves back to Taiwan and moves in with Jin Rong. And Jin Rong is getting divorced. She's effectively a single mother, like dealing with a kid. Like the last thing she needs is her mother harassing her all the time, which is exactly what she does. Her mother's really annoying. Yeah. So this is Shan Shan. Her mother's a chain smoke. Shan Shan is the kid who's fantastic. Right. So Jin Rong is Shan Shan's mother. Madame Liang is the terrible grandmother who is constantly smoking, blowing it in people's faces, only complains. And it's so annoying. She's the worst. She hates everything. She's always like, you shouldn't bother to get married because then you're just waiting for them to die. Yeah. But she's basically being set up with Lao Chu by his daughters. And she's kind of into it. And Chu is too polite to like be openly rude to her. But as an audience member, you're just like, this lady sucks. Yeah. So then we get the final dinner with the whole family together. And she is, uh, Madame Liang is convinced that she is going to get together with Chu. And it's like, before this dinner, she's like asking her daughter, like, hey, do these clothes look good? Like, she's trying to look nice for Chu, be all flirty with him. We're told that she's over there like every night. Right. And so the daughters are like, oh, he's proposing tonight too. So they expect that. They have a big feast. Because he says that he's going to have a big announcement. Right. It's a big announcement for once. Not a little announcement. So Leong brings some fancy wine and Chu proceeds to get shit-faced. He just keeps throwing back shots over the course of the meal. And his daughters are like, maybe you could cool it. And he's like, I'm good. No. So he's toasting everybody. He toasts Jia Jen and her husband. He toasts Jia Ning and her husband. Then he toasts second daughter alone. And eventually he starts making his announcement. Everyone thinks he's going to propose to Madame Liang. And then he says, Jin Rong and I are getting married. And that's point five. Well, he also directs a bunch at Madame Liang where he's like, I haven't done the best job that I could have taken care of Jin Rong and Shan Shan. Like, they are effectively family to us. I should have been doing more. And you're kind of like, oh, but then, like, he's going to marry Jin Rong's mom and they will be family to him. And then he's like, no, Madame Liang, I want to marry your much younger daughter who grew up with my daughter. He calls her Auntie Liang and he's older than her. And that's when she figures it out. And then he's like, so I want your permission to marry Jin Rong. And it's amazing. It's It's the wildest twist in a surprisingly twisty movie. Yeah, it is a twist. Because they've apparently been together for a while and they do truly love each other. But they can't have said anything because of the divorce. Yeah, they've just been secretly dating. Yeah. Which in a way makes his making lunches for Shan Shan cuter. Right. And the fact that he eats her meals is cuter too. Yeah, because then that's like him eating his like lover's cooking, even though she's not the best cook. Right. And it leads to some of the nice stuff, like when Chu and Jin Rong share the secret of the fact that he's cooking for Shan Shan. Shan Shan doesn't want her mom to know. And the mom does know it. She's like, we'll let her have that secret in her life, have the excitement of it. Right. I think that's the moment they start dating. I think you're probably the implication. And it's kind of cute. Because first they share that secret, and then they share something more and i don't know how i feel about it it's strange jin rong does seem to truly love him it's weird to marry your daughter's friend yes who clearly grew up around you but i don't know they both seem happy at the end they do and then jin rong gets pregnant with his baby yes so the epilogue of the movie is they are packing up he also announces that he's selling the house right which he announces Early on, so you think that's the big announcement. Right. And then he texts, I'm dating this other woman on top of it. Yeah, it's bizarre. But so the final scene is a dinner with Jia Qian, 
hosting at the house as it's being packed up one last dinner and the only person that can make it to sunday dinner is chu because they all have these lives that they can't get right. away from as easily so you see jia ning is asleep because their daughter's finally asleep jia jen and the coach are busy too busy to come probably pushing some volleyballs with their butts <laughs> and then jin rong is pregnant i watched that like three it times it's wild <laughs> but it's a really sweet scene and she makes a soup and he tells her there's too much ginger in it and then eventually they realize that he can actually taste the soup and it's so Yay. cute because the central theme of the movie is clearly jia Qian and her father totally it's about their relationship so do you find the romance of eat drink man woman to be believable <laughs> not really no not really it's centered based on the concept of twists <laughs> a lot of twists a lot of twists because we have the we have the surprise lie about the sister's relationship. We have the pregnancy and we have the I'm dating a much younger woman. And we have the day of wedding. Right, yes. The wedding so they can have sex. Every relationship moves too fast. Actually, most of them happen off screen so we don't get Which is part of the of thing them. too. It's like kind of nice that we have this idea of their lives as framed through these family meals. But it does mean that we don't see all of their lives. So where would you rate this romance's believability on a scale from zero to ten i'd probably give it like a five i think i'm going a little lower i think i'm going a four okay i mean the difference i think taiwan in the 90s people would have gotten together faster okay and you would know more about that than i would i mean everyone in the 90s got together faster based on the movies we're watching well the 90s are the peak of richard curtis yeah so uh, yeah i think a five feels right to me do you think that any of the romantic leads in this movie is dateable yeah um Most of them, probably. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone not dateable. I mean, I don't want to date Madame Liang, but neither does anyone in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. She thinks she's one of the romantic leads, but there's nobody who wants to date her. Yeah. I also would say uh, Rachel is a hard no. (laughs) Yes. I don't think she counts as a lead either. But yeah, all of the people in this movie are good people. Yeah. That's one of the things that's nice about it. Yeah. And there's no like faked, like manufactured misunderstanding in it where there is conflict or misunderstanding it comes from people's own internal insecurities right so will do you think any of the couples would stay together yeah i think most of them probably yeah i don't see a reason to doubt we don't see a lot of the life of the couples because it's not as important but from the little we see i think they would yeah i think so so if you had to pick one person in this movie to date who would it be now i usually don't like choosing lead characters but jia Qian to me is the answer i thought you were gonna pick chu just so he would cook for you but she can cook too oh true so she's a great cook great job um i'd move to amsterdam for her so that's what i was thinking about i was like i kind of like being her like trophy husband yeah i would thrive yeah i think that's the clear move yeah because i don't want to date another teacher and like jia ning is 20 so, no <laughs> yeah, so nah, I'm good. Now, a lot of the movies we cover are turned into stage musicals. Do you think this movie should be made into a musical? No, but I think it could make a good play. Yes, I agree. I think it would be tough because cooking is so central and that would be hard to recreate on stage. What I actually thought about a lot during this uh, was a play from about 10 years ago called Tribes by Nina Rain, which is about a family that it's I think it's a family of four that has a deaf son and Over the course of the play, he becomes more integrated into the wider deaf community. And so the play is sort of about the conflict of his relationship with his family, his relationship with the deaf community. His family really wants him to get a cochlear implant. The more he gets in with the deaf community, the more he doesn't. He wants to commit to communicating with ASL. And I saw a production of it in 2014 in DC. And one of the things I liked about it was the way that it called out physical language. Hmm. 
that we don't think about. So it had subtitles projected on an arch for the ASL, but it also did it for the way that the family just communicated by like waving or through looks or things like that to draw attention to the ways that we use physical language in our own life. And that's something that I thought about watching this movie with the ways that they communicate through food and a lot of the nonverbal communication that goes on as well. Yeah, that sounds really cool. And this does have very strong play vibes in a lot of ways. Especially with the like central location of this family table. Right. It feels like the kind of thing you could anchor a play around. Much like the way the play of Steel Magnolias is all set in Truvy's salon. Right, and how it's all based off of announcements. Feels very much like kind of a theatrical move, too. And it's worth noting that Ang Lee started out wanting to be an actor, but he decided he wasn't good at it because he was too shy. So then he pivoted to being a director. Yes. So we should watch The Wedding Banquet next, and maybe someday we'll discuss it. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I think that about does it for Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Next week, we'll be talking about another listener's suggestion, a very famous rom-com my best friend's wedding julia roberts classic it's been a while since we've seen her until then you can follow the show on facebook and twitter at love the love pod and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at love the love pod at gmail.com make sure to rate review and subscribe reviews on apple podcasts in particular help other people to find the show all right well last question what's the best piece of dating advice we got from eat drink man woman um if you're dating someone who's a parent be nice to their kid i mean to play into my brand cook good food for them seems to work and if you need advice on what food to cook you can just watch the opening sequence of this movie and that'll give you stuff to date mark all right until next time i'm gay and i'm a ginger so between the two of us we know everything there is to know about romance bye Bye.